You ready? Yeah, I am so ready. Let's do it. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed, Charmed a Spellcast. Spellcast. with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls in this patriarchal demon infested world they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones charmed Hi, Bryce. Hello, Shayna. Hello, listeners. Oh, hi, Shayna. <laughs> um, oh, what a what a month it's been. <laughs> oh no, I've lost all memory of everything that's ever happened. Yeah, and to be fair, I uh, think that we lost all memory that we were podcast hosts for a little bit. No. No, I always never. remembered. That's my identity now. <laughs> it really is. Even when I'm not podcasting actively, that is who I am. It's unfortunate, but true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were you were a guest recently. You were you were telling us or telling me the yeah, royal that's, us. That's true. The royal the royal we. Um, yes, I was a guest on my friend Murtada's podcast. He hosts. He's a film critic. He's wonderful, and he hosts a podcast called Sundays with Kate. And I'm going to be uh, on that pod in the new year talking about Carol and Kate Blanchett, uh, one of my favorite subjects. So y'all can tune into that. So that's that's what I was doing while I was away from all our precious listeners. Uh, you're never not involved in something really cool. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was going to be more nefarious. You're <laughs> never not involved in something. It, you would have been correct on that part as well. Um, how are you doing, Bryce? Uh, I'm doing pretty okay. I think that I have had a less tumultuous month than you have had, um, but it has been uh, busy still, um, but maybe with like less fearful things. Just a lot of work, a lot of D&D, um, and then a lot of... Uh, oh, I, should we start manner keeping? Because I have some news. Yeah, uh, yes, please. Okay. My news is that this year I decided to volunteer at the local animal shelter and I have officially received my mentorship training and my buddy shift training and now I'm fully a go to do volunteer shifts. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a really big deal. Yep. Uh, unfortunately though, I can, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say for those of our listeners who don't know you uh, in person, I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod, but... I think it's very important to note that Bryce loves dogs more than anyone else I know. Hilarious that that they, we could have gone three years or something and pod listeners would not know that that is also a core piece of my identity. That is integral. It is, uh, yeah, now everyone can unlock your identity, I think. This was the missing piece. Identity unlocked. I'm, I'm nothing except a podcast host and a lover of dogs. Exactly. So now we know the full you. 
So that's so exciting. That's like a really big deal. Thank you. Especially because my apartment is uh, not pet friendly at all. And I'm planning on staying at this apartment for at least the next couple of years. So the chances of getting an animal would be zero for a long time. Oh, God. My heart, it sinks. But now it floats because I know that you're going to be a buddy. Thank you. To dogs in need. To all dogs. To all cats and dogs alike. Um, Unfortunately, though, I can only work. So they need a lot of volunteers for uh, week shifts, which makes sense because most volunteers are only available during the weekend. And so the only time I can be available during the week is in the morning before work. And the the morning shifts are always like the deep clean shifts. So I spent my first shift just like scrubbing out the kennels, washing all the dog bowls, doing the laundry. They like really put me to work. Um, so wow. I feel, And we had 15, so they're two hour shifts and we had 15 minutes at the very end where we could bring a puppy up to the playroom and just kind of like hang out with them. And I was like, worth it, worth it. Oh my God. So not only are you playing with puppies in the morning to start your day, you're also getting ripped. For sure. I was sweating heavily. I'm very not in shape at this moment in time. Uh, so I'm made out of Play-Doh. Some people yeah, got pandemic I don't understand that. Like, I understand the urge of like, when you see me next, I'm going to be able to like lift a truck over my head. So I, I get it. The element of surprise is very appealing to me. But I, I've done maybe like three push-ups over the course of the last two years. So it wouldn't be me. <laughs> Well, I, I think that um, you've done a lot of, like, walking and some, I, I don't know. It feels to me like you said you've been going and exercising a bit. A bit. You know, I was I was more zealous, perhaps, at the beginning. Um, and now I just, I go walk to remind myself that the sun shines. Oh, yeah. And so do, so do I. Um, uh, but I, I think that piece of manner keeping was extremely important. So thank, thank you. you for sharing. Thank you very much. Um, Oh, and I just wanted to put a button on the end of a bow on the end of our discussion about exercise and inform you that my muscles are atrophying as we speak. Oh, wow. Okay. So podcasting doesn't turn you into a Channing Tatum of the radio? Honestly, I don't who understand. would have thunk it? <laughs> uh, I, I want to put an additional button on there and say that however you're moving your body, I hope it feels good to you. Thank you. And, uh, that's that's what I hope for for everyone listening as well. Thanks, Shanna. Do you have anything for the podcast to share? Oh, I don't. I don't know. Oh my god. I feel like every time I come on here, it just sounds like I'm the messiest, most dramatic person in existence. <laughs> um, I don't have too much to share. Something that's exciting is that I got a press accreditation for Sundance Film Festival, um, which is. Sweet, which is one of my favorite festivals. They're doing it both in person and online this year. And now we are in uh, day two here in New York of like a massive COVID spike. So it's looking like I may be staying home and watching oh. from the watching from the comfort of my bed. Oh, no. Um, it's okay. That's how I did it last year. And it was actually really great. I was able to see a lot more than I would have seen in person. Um, I was able to, uh, don't tell anyone, I was able to have my partner watch over my, over my shoulder. Um, shush, scandalous. Shush, yeah, very scandalous. I'm turning you into uh, the press accreditation 
police. Shit. Ah, nobody else does this. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm actually, you know, I'm bummed because it is, of course, lovely to be up in the mountains. For those of you who don't know, um, Sundance happens in Utah, in Park City, Utah, which is very close to Salt Lake City, up in like mountain lodge resorts. So it's so picturesque. It's beautiful. Um, and I will not be doing that this year, but I am excited to grab some interviews with with people that I'm really excited to talk to and I'll talk more about it when that happens if that happens knock on wood and other than that I think that I I'm feeling very down because I'm definitely retreating more into isolation uh this COVID spike has me really worried as it does a lot of people I think completely understandably and I'm trying to make plans for the winter to keep myself, you know, happy and connected and safe. And I really hope that I can find those things and that this time is easier. I think in a lot of ways it's much more difficult because we were told, you know, if you do this certain number of things, then you'll stay safe and the pandemic will be over. Um, but thanks to a huge lack of monetary support from the U.S. government, at least, that is not the case. So it it is a rough time, but I'm really hoping to find the things that will keep me happy and and bring joy into what is an existence that we weren't prepared for. Amen. I, I also think that it's great that you're still able to have um, interactions and communication with people. Like you said, you were still going to do interviews, which I think is probably one of the best parts about being a part of the Sundance Festival. Um, but I also know that this was supposed to be a trip with your mom, and so I'm sad that that also won't pan out. Yeah, that's a really sad part. Sorry, Sue. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> um, but I think that maybe she will be the person watching over my shoulder. Oh. Don't tell it. Don't tell anyone. Oh. Don't tell anyone. Um, yeah, but I'm... I'm Glad to know that at some point in the future, you know, we will have our our uh, mother-child film festival trip again. It will happen. So, yeah, it's there is some grief. There is constant grief uh, in this world, I would say. Mm. And it's hard to have it kind of at a low boil mm -hmm. for a very sustained period of time. Um, but I'm really glad to hear about things like you being able to play with puppies and Thank you. you know do something that's really exciting and satisfying to you and i think that that's what i'm trying to focus on right now while being sad about the measures that i know i need to take to keep myself safe and others mm -hmm. life life is suffering and then you die and then you die and then you die but in the middle of that you watch charmed yeah and you find things to celebrate and to experience joy with. Yes. And the first thing that I'm, I'd am i like to point out directly related to this podcast is that I was watching Charmed, whom uh, listeners may know has moved from its streaming platform of Netflix onto Peacock, which is NBC's streaming platform. Um, and it's not the best design layout or anything, but I was noticing that, and maybe I've already talked about this, but Charmed looks so much better on Peacock. Like, I don't know what happened, what, like, file or print they have, but it just looks 
so good. So that's I, that's a bit of joy. I think subconsciously I've been feeling the same thing. Like watching Charmed feels less like watching a YouTube uh, like rip like rip from the DVD and more like mm. oh I'm actually watching a television show. Yeah, yeah. Like it looks like it's on film. It mm. looks really good. So I want I just want to talk to somebody at Peacock and be like, can you answer some <laughs> questions for me? Congratulations. About the television show Charmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you talk to me about your archive? Thank you, um, Peacock. Peacock, yeah. So that that's a fun thing. Um, my thing, my last thing for Manor Keeping is not such a fun thing, and it's something I saw that you posted about uh, yesterday, Shana. Um, but we have lost Bell Hooks, who we have. was an influential writer, professor, um, feminist, and above all, I think, a lover. Um, so... That's kind of tough. I feel like I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about when I said this, when I started this conversation, but now that I'm actually in the midst of it, it's kind of escaped me. Um, I think the thing that I appreciated most about Bell Hooks was her her capacity to feel joy for things like love, um, which I aspire to. And actually, my most, my, my brush, my closest brush with Bell Hooks was when I wrote my name into my Slack username as Bryce, like underscore B-R-Y-C-E. And someone messaged me and was like, oh, is that intentional, like bell hooks? And I was like, no, but thank you. <laughs> Amazing. A wonderful connection. I am glad that you brought this up. It is a great loss. And it's also a, a chance to revisit so much of her work, which, like you said, is all about love, <laughs> um, which is probably one of her most famous works. So if you're not familiar with Bell Hooks, her work is very widely available and it's also super accessible, in in my opinion, in the way that it was written. And uh, it's pretty transformative. It, it makes you think long and hard and go, oh my God, what the frick? And then have a revelation and hopefully it'll make your life a little bit better. Yeah, just knowing that there are people who are able to still make something out of this horrible life, this horrible world we live in, is, I think, something worth finding joy in. I agree. Thank you for that. And also, shout out to Bell Hooks for being super up on representational uh, media and, like, basically writing the best shit that I've ever read about looking at yourself, like, as as a woman, certainly. Um but also as any sort of identity that is not the main protagonist usually of most of our media, which is uh, a straight white man. So thank you, Bell Hooks, for writing all of your amazing essays on film and on media. All right. Do you think we're ready to talk about a television show at this point in time? Do you think we're ready? Because I think we're ready, Bryce. I, I think we're ready. I've never not been ready. This is, you know, like I said, this has been a integral component of my personality. So all, whenever I'm walking around, just to the air, I'm speaking in podcast uh, lingo. Let's go. Let's make that a reality. Okay. Okay. Welcome to season two, episode 19 of Charmed, Ex Libris. ba ba da ba ba bum um, this was directed by Joel J. Feigenbaum, and it was written by Peter Chomsky. Um, and 
It aired April 27th, 2000. Oh, I didn't know this was written by Peter Chomsky. Kind of same name. Same. I wonder if there's any relation with Noam Chomsky. To Noam? Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should call Noam up. Yeah, me and like, hey. <laughs> Noam, good friends. Hey, hey, Noam. Uh, he, oh, he was a writer on Mozart in the Jungle. Which is oh, yeah, the Amazon a one. Show I like. Yeah, Fargo. Oh, the show um, Fargo or the the show? Sorry, the show Fargo, not the not the movie. Oh, cool. And on uh, the new Charmed as well. No way, Peter. Peter, our good friend Peter. Go off. Okay. Um, I would love to read the IMDb summary of this episode because I think it's very funny. Okay, let's let's do it. Okay. Phoebe helps the ghost of a student who is killed to prevent the publication of her thesis on evil. Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls perform at Piper's nightclub. And Phoebe helps the ghost of Charlene, a student killed by Libris. So it's, uh, I would say it's it's not that descriptive of the episode. It, it doesn't talk about Prue at all and her whole quest um, to get justice for uh a murdered woman and her uh, her desperate and aching and grieving father. Um, but I just think it's very funny that the Goo Goo Dolls performing at Piper's Nightclub like got the main headline here. That's the only note that I wrote. There's nothing else about the plot on my on my in my notebook. Yeah, nothing else happened. I do have a really big note that I wrote in all caps while watching this, which was the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was shook. I saw that on the uh, the credits, like the intro credits, and I was like, what? Uh, they yeah. also didn't mention anything about um, Piper's arc and how she goes and meets um, Leo's former wife. Lillian, yeah. Oh, wait. Is it Lillian or Vivian? I can't remember. Um, I didn't take note of her name. Has a wife. Leo has a wife. <laughs> I know. Uh, should we do our own rewriting of the IMDb plot and give our three overarching arcs? I think we should. Okay. Who do you want to take? Um, I I'll take. I'll take Phoebe. <laughs> Go do it. Okay, so Phoebe is the one that was touched upon in the episode. She, I guess, her plot line is kind of the main plot line because that's where the action and the demon is. Um, so there is a woman that she goes to school with who gets killed by a demon because this woman is trying to write a thesis on evil. And for some reason in the charmed world, demons can sense that and will always want to stop that. Uh, Academia can get you killed, people. Apparently. I, I, I didn't understand that there's a convention where demons don't like to be... I mean, I understand demons don't like to be discovered, but I didn't understand the, like physical mechanism where they don't like to be revealed so they'll always find a way to like silence the truth yeah i think that that was kind of uh complicated and it's more just like they hear you talking shit and talking about their secrets and they'll kill you yeah i feel like that is probably the more the the way that i conceptualized it anyway So Phoebe is uh, working with the ghost of this dead woman to find the demon who killed her and bring justice. Yes, yes she is. And Prue is on a side quest in which she has been taking photographs for her magazine and she finds a mysterious man who has been appearing in them and she decides to talk to this man 
who turns out to be a grieving father who lost his daughter, um, his his adult his adult daughter who was gunned down by a shady pawn shop dealer or you know pawn shop owner, and he's trying to find someone who will be a witness to that murder so that he can get justice for his his daughter, um, and so Prue decides to help. Yeah. Um, and finally, Piper, she is going through a bit of a romantic entanglement. So Dan is still coming, still in her life. And occasionally he brushes, uh, fists with Leo's face. Um, (laughs) and he's, he's, he's trying to investigate Leo. He thinks there's something off about him. Uh, and he digs up some information about Leo's past in the military and he gives it to Piper who learns that, Leo used to have a wife. So Piper goes and visits Leo's previous wife, who is now well into her 90s or something. And um, she uh, she learns about um, how uh, the love that Leo once had for his previous uh, wife and how Leo has also encouraged and helped his previous wife move on after his untimely death in World War I. Oh, and I also think that there was a bit of a fourth plot line here, which is that the daughters, the charmed ones, are trying to come to terms with the fact that they don't know if they want their dad in their lives or not. Uh, they're trying to figure out if they want to sign his birthday card. And I think through a lot of the of the um, the uh, adventures that Prue encounters and a lot of the like confrontations she has with a father who misses her daughter, his daughter terribly. Um, they find their own idea of what kind of what kind of um, relationship they want to have with their father. Yeah, this was very much like a daddy issues episode across like every single plot line. Yeah, which I okay, I guess you know whatever. Yeah, that's true. Not used to so so many men in the charmed ones' lives in this way. That's so funny, but it's 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 true. The woman who wrote the thesis, it, her dad is her professor, and she's like trying to prove to him, um, I guess, her own academic prowess. Yeah, it's wild. It's like that's happening. The birthday card debacle is happening. Dad trying to get justice for his daughter. Uh, am I missing anything else? No, I think that's it. That's it. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of daddy issues and ex libris. So we don't. Um, oh, yeah. Go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, oh no, stop. You. No, please, no, please. Please. no, please. Oh, no, no. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> um. Hey, Bryce. Hey, yourself. Do you know what time it is? Never. Uh, well, it's time to hype our incredible, one of a kind sponsor, Super Yaki. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for film and TV. They've got everything. From super soft t-shirts saluting the brave of us out there who love to watch movies by ourselves, to comfy sweatshirts and aprons commemorating historic events like the night Stanley Tucci made a Negroni. I will never forget it. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships using compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. 
And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERCHARMED, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. I miss going to the movies so much, but wearing my Super Yaki A Penny Marshall film shirt does at least give me a little feeling of connection to all our friends out there ceaselessly watching and yelling about movies. I think I want their Jennifer's Body or Judy Greer or Kelly Marie Tran merch next. But it is so hard to choose, so maybe I should get all of it. (laughs) Yes, I have a hat. Yeah, you do. So remember, go to superyaki.com and use Supercharmed for 10% off at checkout. You too can have a hat. That's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I dot com. We don't have a lot of time for recording this, but um, it was important to us that we had one last discussion with you guys before the end of the year. So I think that for today's episode, we should just jump right in and just talk about the parts of the episode that we had a lot of thoughts about or that we want to listen to other thoughts about. Totally. Uh, The first thing I had a lot of thoughts about was Piper's hair. Okay. Um, (laughs) Very important. Uh, Which in the first scene, as she's like setting a romantic mood in order for Leo to come home and them to get down to business, uh, she has this like crimped, very 90s, early 2000s hair going on. I was like, that's ridiculous. But I enjoyed it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that I felt I had a lot of thoughts about was when Prue accidentally goes into the bathroom and thinks she's talking to Piper, but it's actually Leo in the shower. And when Leo pulls back the shower curtain, Prue goes, nice orbs. <laughs> God. This episode, it's so interesting. This episode started and I was like, wow, this is a very light, kind of like goofy episode. Um, and that continued kind of partway into the episode Phoebe falls asleep on her books because she's starting studying for finals, which is continuing this long trend of, I can't have any demon deaths until at least Saturday <laughs> because I have my finals. You know, or I, uh, there's demon blood on my shoes. <laughs> I gotta buy new shoes. Like that kind of a thing. Yeah, juggling she, she, normal life. Exactly. And she falls asleep on her books and her glasses are super crooked and, you know, Piper and Leo wake her up and she does a, what? Whoa! what you know and her glasses are still very crooked on her face so i was like this is so goofy and with the shower scene and the nice orbs and everything like Mm -hmm. that i was like oh this is fun um and there's there's another scene like that which is when dan comes to well we don't actually know what's going on we just we open on dan just barreling into leo and them having a big old fight in the bar in the in the club in p3 and Piper comes in and freezes them both and unfreezes Leo first so he can explain yeah, what's going on. That was a good time. A very good time. And he's like, well, I don't know. We just came in here and just whatever, whatever. And she's like, okay, get back in position <laughs> to unfreeze. And he was like, like what? what? You... He's going to punch me. It's like, yep. I know. All of the um, time. So I just, I just thought that was, it was all very goofy. And I was like, oh, I love this little like light silly episode um but then we had like three very very different plot lines and one of them was super heavy yeah so kind of kind of misled me and i think you're referring to the plot line that prue was a part of where she's trying to help the dad of um charlene find justice for charlene's death exactly that is exactly what i'm talking about 
And it's a very sad plot. Um, I think it's interesting because it really shows some, like, fear and despair and feeling like we're not able to protect the people we love and that kind of a thing. But it also goes into this total incompetence of police Mm. in a way that is very interesting because Prue brings this case to Daryl to say, oh, you know, I know someone at the station. Maybe he could help find out who did it. And uh, the father is saying, well, no, we know who did it. It's just everybody's too scared of this pawn shop owner to come forward. And when Prue goes to Daryl to say, like, hey, this thing happened and I need I need your help. He says basically the same thing, which is, yeah, we know who did it. We are like we have a good idea of who did it, but nobody's ever going to come forward. So just the best thing to, to do is to encourage the dad to move on. I, I didn't see it as an incompetence of police, but you can definitely read it that way. To me, it was revealing the complexity of reality. Even when you know what's right, sometimes it's still difficult to get justice because bad people have more resources or more power. Um, and sometimes the system is not fully set up to just knock them down. Yeah, I think uh, I'm more on that like system is is not set up to actually help people because... I think that something I've been thinking about a lot is like this wild allocation of resources to something like a police budget, which is something that we've like, I think collectively had a conversation about over the past two years, Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Um, And it's increasingly frustrating. And I think that looking at a show like this, which of course is not designed to say police can't do anything like that's not its point still has this interesting element of like, even with all of these resources that a system has, it's not necessarily designed to do the thing that it advertises. Um, and it's like, you know, what, what is the use in some of these, in some of these cases? What is our reality and what would be a better uh, use of these resources? And I think that the answer in this episode is that, well, you don't have to rely on police because luckily you have a group of three wacky sisters with witch powers <laughs> who will uh, meet a ghost who is somehow has an, the same a debt. voice. Yeah, has the same voice as a person who was murdered and has a debt to repay and can terrorize the murderer. <laughs> and uh... frighten him into <laughs> confessing. Yeah. Which... It does not bring actual relief to the father of the deceased, um, which was also a very interesting element of this, I think, in which when when that happens, when the pawn shop owner Gibbs confesses, the father says that, well, you know, that's as as much as he was really seeking this sort of justice, he just doesn't actually feel like it did something because it didn't bring her back. Mm-hmm. So it's a very like complex plot that is made a little goofy by this pretend haunting. Mm-hmm. And and that scene was especially very goofy. It was very much a like true investigations of ghosts, like kind of a, a oh, show. Yeah. It felt like 
for me, this this particular plot line with Charlene wasn't just the darkest one because it dealt with um, grief and because it dealt with the justice system and the way that criminal activity can still subvert it. Um, to me, it was also just too real because it was saying, hey, there's people can die and people can be sad. And it's not just because a demon came by and decided to have their nefarious plan to take over the world. It's just because literally humans can do bad things to other people and then somehow get away with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that it's, it's always interesting when charm chooses to go in a direction of like, there's nothing supernatural happening. Mm -hmm. Bad things just happen to even good people. Yeah. Bad things happen to everyone. Less less to bad people than you would like them to, <laughs> apparently. More, um, It just feels more unfair when it happens to a good person. Yeah. Which, you know, in, in a show like Charmed, people are can be very black and white. Yeah. Too. Especially in these earlier seasons, I think. Yeah. There's an idea of what's good and there's an idea of what bad, what's bad and nobody really falls in, in between. Yeah. And bad people... Uh, even if they are not demons, can get punished. Yeah. Um, well, do we want? <laughs> do we have anything to say about any of the other sisters? Oh, do I have anything to say? The Goo Goo Dolls! That's what I have to say. <laughs> um, I think that there's a trope that's kind of fun, which happens with Piper, which is when Dan is like, no, there's something really wrong with this guy and you should know and I'm looking out for you. And it's the trope of a character being like, I know what's happening. Like, I know what's coming mm. and still being surprised. Mm -hmm. So it's not that Dan was able to just dig up army records and see that like, oh my God, Leo died a long time ago or something like that. It's that he has a wife. And I, I do enjoy, I enjoy the trope that's like, the audience and the character both think they know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, of course we know more than this other character. But nobody knows. And I like that. I, I particularly liked this story because it, it's kind of a fun thought experiment to think about when two people love the same person, how do you navigate that? Um, how do you navigate knowing that someone was just as special to someone you love um, but that person is a part of someone you love's past, and that's not a past that you're privy to. Like, that's not a part of their life that you're involved in. Um, mm. Which which I thought, I think it's always a fun thought experience, not just thought experience, but just always a fun topic to grapple, because I think that there, people, there's no right answer, and people really try to figure out their own way to navigate that kind of space. I think... Uh... I would wonder what Bell Hooks had to say about that. About this, not just, I mean, more importantly about this concept of like, uh, how do you how do you care for the love that somebody else has for the person that you love? Mm -hmm. um, but specifically this episode of Charmed, I would like to know Bell Hooks' read <laughs> I would on like this episode. <laughs> Bell Hooks, what do you think about the, the three Charmed ones? I, I Please. Don't... Um, this, the storyline, even though I like the core, um, like element of it, I, I didn't particularly find it that interesting because like it was, it was kind of resolved almost too neatly. 
basically the ex-wife was like, yeah, I've moved on. And now I, I, I don't, you, you're free to love Leo now, basically. Mm-hmm. Would you have preferred if, if she was like, I've never stopped thinking about him? I think so. I think it would have been interesting to try to see how, because I think that Piper always has, she's one of the sisters who battles the most with her idea of morality and her own identity as a moral person. And I think it would be interesting to see how she tried to wade through this very real mess that can happen to people in real life. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting. I think that a concept that I've I've come to learn, I suppose, over the past couple of years is that sometimes it can be really fun to learn from people who love, like, your partner or, like, your really good friend or something to learn about the person you love through that other person's eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it can be just, like, a really rewarding and connective sort of things. They feel like you learn more about your person and about qualities of them that maybe maybe you do as well appreciate and you're like, yes, this is just like a great thing. But maybe it's qualities that you have a different view on um, and suddenly they've, they're thrown into a different light. So I think it can be a really, really beautiful thing. And I don't think it was too interesting of a plot necessarily. I do just like the trope of like, and nobody knows anything. <laughs> they tricked us. Um, but I don't know. I think that I, I prefer it that way of just like a, oh, I guess there's not as much conflict as there could have been. You know what? That I do actually, I can get on board with that idea, especially because I love the, uh, the, what you said about how you can learn a lot about someone else through how other people view them. Because everyone's personality is so multifaceted, so complicated, and no one's like the same person around everyone. I mean, maybe they are, but a lot of people change who they are subtly, um, and some people code switch. And the idea of getting to learn someone through someone else's perspective, who loves your person just as much as you love that person, um, I think it's kind of nice. It kind of it kind of reminds you that oh, there are many sides to this person, and also someone else appreciates this person as much as I appreciate them. And it, I, I, I think that the latter thing I just talked about is hard when you don't have a. It's hard when you're still trying to figure out your own sense of self and your own idea of self worth. But I think when you're very confident in who you are, it's rewarding to realize that the people in your life have other lives and that you get to be a part of one aspect of it and you get to sometimes learn about other aspects of their lives. Definitely. Yeah, insecurity and jealousy can always come into play. I think that's that's just something that we naturally have. Um, I would say as, as humans and as people who have all of our own, yeah, issues with our own sense of self and sense of self-worth. And... I think it, it can be both daunting and comforting to think that like, wow, the insecurities that I have around somebody else are most likely linked to the self-worth that I have for myself. Like, yeah. fuck. Oh, God. Look I in the mirror. Surface level. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was one surface level problem, but no, it's me. <laughs> it's always me. God, again. And now we're talking about me again. And uh, now we're talking about me again. And now we're talking about hair again. Um, my next note is that I love Charlene's hair. 
Mm. In this episode, they're a lot of fun. Oh, and whole look, actually. I I loved her little, like, tank top. Um, this little printed tank top and, like, jeans and this, like, big bouffanty, but, like, free-flowing bouffant kind of hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think earlier in this episode, I was getting confused when I was talking about the dead daughter of the grieving man. Her name is yes, Tyra. Tanya. T- oh, Tyra. Tyra. Right? Yes. <laughs> um, and then Charlene is the uh, fellow student. Yes, Tyra. Yes. Portrayed, I, portrayed in up. a picture by Crystal Michelle. What? How did you know that? Um, I am psychic. That's cool. It also says that on IMDb. Oh. Um, well, wherever we find oh, information... Well, then. <laughs> And apparently, uh, Clavant Wilson, which is the name of the father, is portrayed by a man named Clavant, Clavant Derricks. Wow, they really reached far when they were thinking about his name, his character's name. Yeah, they really, really did. A lot of, a lot of creativity here. Um, okay, I do want to wrap up pretty soon because we are, shh, don't tell anybody, uh, recording this in during our lunch break. And that break. That's it. Nope, <laughs> nobody knows that. No, this is our full-time job. We have all the time in the world, and that's why we only put out one episode a month. We want to make them super quality for you. Yeah, exactly. This is the highest quality of episode I think we've ever had. (laughs) Um, Do we have anything to say about Phoebe's plotline? Phoebe's plotline? Personally, no. (laughs) I think that I enjoyed the, like, wacky and goofy bits. Um, I really loved her opening bit when she's in the library studying and making like the absolute most noise. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, Eating and crinkling her chips and stuff. And using a like very squeaky highlighter. <laughs> yeah. I I thought that was fun. I think that there were a couple of nice bonding moments with Piper and Phoebe in this episode. And I enjoyed that. Mm. Um, I also had an observation not about Phoebe, but about Prue, which is that since she lost her job and actually just like as the seasons have progressed, and she's kind of a free agent now and figuring out who she is. Uh, Shannon Doherty's portrayal of, of Prue has gotten more like goofy, mm, I think, uh-huh. and and less sure of herself. And I just thought that was a really interesting thing. I found Prue to be really... Uh, charismatic and magnetic in the first season Mm -hmm. um she's you know she's so sure of herself Mm -hmm. and she is such a an interesting presence and like a commanding presence and i think that like as her life has gotten so shaken up the portrayal of the character has gotten much more shaken up too yeah, which I I read as kind of a good thing because it's almost like she had to become this figure of authority for her sisters after the death of her mother and Grams. And now she has the leeway to be a kind of more of who she was before or have a little bit more fun with things. Yeah, I, I can see that. And I also am like, on this millionth rewatch, I'm paying more <laughs> attention to it than I was before. And I'm like, I wonder how this is going to pan out. Hmm. Um, in in terms of like, am I going to enjoy her performance more or less as the seasons progress? 
Oh, I see. Yeah, I do like that. I like I like when we talk about your own personal evolution of how you feel about Charmed. Um, yeah, right now I'm feeling like it is goofy, and I'm having fun with that. And uh, still in love with Holly Marie Combs. That's no surprise. And appreciating Phoebe more this time around than I than I ever have. And having more thoughts about Prue. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I have nothing else to add about Phoebe's plotline because I think that the IMDb summary said it all, and there's nothing else more to say. That's it. That's all we got. How do you feel about the demon death? We didn't even talk about Libris at all. He was this kind of freaking <laughs> whatever. He was a. He's got a scary face. Yeah, I think they relied the most on the actor's face yeah. to pop out and scare people and oh. suck them into his portal where he's about to use a scythe and just yeah. decapitate them. He's like a cartoonish Grim Reaper. Very much so. He's like a um, oh my god who, there's a movie Young Frankenstein the person who plays Igor Igor, oh. he, he had a look kind of like Igor and Young Frankenstein. <laughs> it's, it's a very cartoonish character actory kind of look and I think that's pretty much all it was good for. Mm. Um, I can't even remember the demon death. How did Libras die? Uh, they just used a little incantation. They used Phoebe as bait. Um, oh, right. Like retraced the steps of Charlene's getting kidnapped and decapitated. And they use Phoebe and Phoebe gets kidnapped. But they see that she's just been transported into the basement of the library. Right. Um. And then Prue astral projects and does a little spell and the demon blows up and leaves his, his scythe behind. Uh, and uh, that's it. Um, one out of five, Jeremy's. I think it was goofy because the scythe thing is funny and how it just clatters through the ground and doesn't disappear of the demon is also funny. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, I would give it like a 1.5 out of 5 because I don't think it's like morally repugnant. Um, <laughs> but but it's just kind of there. Yeah. Yeah, it, the demon was was pretty innocuous this time around. The least. And I like them when they're innocuous. <laughs> when they're when they're innocuous. Yes. Okay. So, that's it. 1.5/1 slash out of 5 Jeremy's. Hope for another better demon death next time. Um, last thoughts? You want me to go first? Last thoughts. I would love for you to go first. Okay, because I always feel when we end on your last thoughts, it's just more poignant. Um, my last thought is that I really enjoyed this um, character uh, arc. I keep saying arc a lot in this podcast, but um, for, for Phoebe of being a student or a returning to school student, I like the idea of how she is so cool and so fun. And she's also an untraditional student. And I think it gives more validation to people who are thinking about returning to school and thinking about being an untraditional student. Oh, that's really sweet. I like that. And I think I think it's an apt metaphor for being a non-traditional student because you have so much going on oh, yeah. in your life other than college. Oh, yeah. I think it breaks... Um, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, some other demons. Um, I think it breaks the idea that your life has to have a certain kind of pathway, which, I mean, that is something that Phoebe's always embraced. 
but um, still, it's the, like the not just that you can have an unconventional pathway, but that you can also still achieve whatever you want to achieve. I like that. Oh, I I feel pressure because I don't really have any poignant last thoughts. Oh my! For God. this one, um, I would say that uh, ideas of justice are different for everyone, and that it feels ooh hear the the creak of my door there's a ghost in the room spook um yeah ideas of justice are different for everyone and so having them quantified by a system that is supposed to apply to everyone but only be meted out by a few people doesn't really make sense so that's my final thought Hmm. controversial final thought (laughs) yeah uh, we just wanted more that's That's where we are today, my friends. Controversial final thoughts. Thank you for listening. My name is Shana. You can find me at Bernadette Teeters on Instagram. You can subscribe to my newsletter about what makes cinema good. It's girls and gays. (laughs) And you can find that at shanamacy.substack.com. I'm Bryce. You can find me at Your Best Bryce on Instagram. Also, Finished Foodstagram. That's it. And together, we are Charmed to Spellcast. You can write to us spellcast at gmail.com we love hearing from you it makes us feel like we're not shouting into a void um, and you can also follow us at charm spellcast on instagram thanks for listening goodbye you've been listening to earbud media production earbud media audio for everyone